Hey lovely freaks and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host Amanda. And I'm Hannah. And if you're new here, hi, welcome. If you like things strange and unusual and true crime, you can go ahead and hit that subscribe or follow button. You can also head to the description box and you'll see a link that will take you to our link tree. And that'll give you access to our Twitter, Instagram, all that jazz. And all that jazz. Yeah. Alright guys, so we took a break last week. Mm-hmm. Um, mainly because I was doing a lot of research on this case. Why are you looking at me? <laughs> and, um, anyways. I'm just the, the comment. 13 pages <laughs> later, um, here we are. But today's episode is going to be a two-parter. This is a serial killer. Actually, it's a couple of serial killers. And the one kind of reminds me of, like, um, the Chicago Ripper crew when ah. we did them. But not that, like, satanic aspect or whatever. Um, this also was in Australia. So this comes um, to us from South Australia in Adelaide um, from August 1992 to 1999. So right before you were born, because it was May 1999 was when they got caught. Actually, I think they got, yeah, they got caught in May. Yeah. Anywho, um, just want to give you guys a reminder to like our YouTube. Even if you don't, go ahead and go over there and subscribe to our YouTube. Um, even if you don't really watch us on YouTube, that's fine. Just go subscribe. <laughs> um, and you can follow us everywhere else. Spotify, Insta, uh, Instagram. What the fuck? My Instagram. On it, yeah, you can follow us on Instagram. But I was but thinking of places videos. you can listen to us yeah. at. If yeah. you're not, you know, already subscribe to those spots. I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm going to shut up now. Um, anywho, we're going to go ahead and get started. Hopefully, this will only take about 30 minutes today. I don't know. We'll see. Um, oh, before we get started, do you want to tell everybody about your little ghost adventure that you had the other night? Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. Just real quick, we could mention that. If you don't want to hear that part, you could skip on past. But yeah, Hannah had a um, pretty interesting thing happen to her the other night. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it's always, so the number 27 follows me all the time. And it's always when I see the number 27 constantly that I feel like this starts to happen. Because like the night before... I got off the phone with a friend and I saw that it was the 27th and then I saw that it was, it was like, like 10 27 yeah and I was like oh that's funny and then I went to plug up my phone and it was on 27 <laughs> and I, I literally videoed it because I was like yeah oh my she God. screenshotted it and everything yeah. but anyway so um about a day later I uh I was asleep and my door was closed Completely, like I completely closed the door, and I heard like the handle kind of jiggle, and then I heard like a creaking sound, like and then I looked, and it was like slowly pushing open, like somebody was slowly like coming through the um, door or something. And in my mom and dad's house, they like if the air conditioner is on, it sucks it shut, so it's not like. Because for a second, I was like, well, maybe it was the air conditioner. But then I remembered, mm-hmm. yeah, it's that. No, because we even tested it. Like, we opened it and saw what happened. No, it just stood there. It yeah. It was just, like, there. 
nothing happened. But I even videoed it and I sent it to my friend. I didn't save it. I don't know why. I was really tired. It was like 1 a.m. But I videoed it, sent it to my friend, and I got up. I went over to my dad and I was like, hey, and blah, blah, blah. I was telling him everything. And he was like, oh, that's weird. He was like, maybe it was my, my cat's name's Onyx. And he was like, maybe it was Onyx. And I was like, okay. So I went to sleep again. And then I felt like a shaking underneath my bed like very small and then when I opened my eyes and I sat up it stopped like right when I sat up it stopped and then her dog who's and a Dotson, yeah was on the end of the bed and he and was he, like growling with his nose out from under which he never growls yeah ever. no he's like old he's like 10 he didn't do that and we found out it wasn't Onyx because my her cat. cat was outside he's like an outside inside cat but yeah yeah and everybody, if you've heard the, the ghost girl story on here, um, on the podcast before, then you know about that. But this is definitely a different experience than the mm-hmm. ghost girl. <laughs> but she said she slept with her. He said she slept with her door open after that. The rest oh, of the yeah. night. Oh, yeah. The rest of the I literally told it to get out of my room. Like, I went through my room and said, get out. Yeah. And it finally got out. She, so. um... So, if anybody knows any significance... Like, we've kind of looked up some things about the number 27, but there, if there's any, like... All we could find was that there was, like, uh, the spirits, like, the angels want to contact it, you or something yeah. like that. It con- or it's war- warning you that something bad is about to happen. Oh, okay. Well. That I saw. So. So, if anybody knows any other significance, let us know. Um, but, yeah, we just thought we would share that really quick before we dive into today's case. Okay. So, today's case is the Snowden murders or bodies in a barrel murders. There's a bunch of different things for it. Um, I mean, not Snowden. Snowtown. I'll get in a minute. There's a bunch of different names for it, though. Mm-hmm. But, like I said, this case was in Australia and Adelaide. It was kind of in a different, a bunch of different places in South Australia. And, and we'll talk about where these, this person moves to and all that. Um... Real quick, I did want to say that a lot of times on here, we talk about true crime, but we don't really dive into, like, people's families and, like, how it must have affected them and things like that. And I've seen some recent things on TikTok where different families of people who have actually, which there isn't any cases we've covered, but people who have talked about their family's true crime cases, they've been like, I don't mind people talking about my, you know, whoever, my my family's true crime case, but just kind of it they were talking about how this culture has become so desensitized to think like oh it's just a story we're listening to but y'all have to remember these are real people that have really died (laughs) and we said that a lot on here like i don't want people to get so desensitized that they just think oh this is just a story you know or whatever it just feels like a story that we're telling you like this is these are real real people that's why it's called true crime so just kind of keep that in mind and kind of have respect and things like that when you're listening to podcasts. I know sometimes we make jokes and things like that, but when it comes to the actual murder of the victims, we try not to do that. Yeah. All right, so with that being said, let's get started. John Baton, Robert Wagner, Jane, Jamie um, Velasakis, I can't say his last name, and Mark Hayden were the four men we are going to talk about today. John I said John Baton. I suck at last names. Bunting. We've established that. John Bunt- Bunting, yes, was the mastermind behind these murders, though. And also, um, there's a lot of people involved in this case. Just 
try to stick with me. Like I said, this is going to be a part two. So we're going to get through what we can get through today. Probably read about, do about six pages. And then we're going to um, do the rest next week. So just bear with me on the, all trying to remember all these people. It kind of has to do with a community. So if that kind of tells you how many people are involved. But first we're going to start with John. And John was born September 4th, 1966. He was born in one of, like, um, the, a smaller factory working city. He also did not have a sense of smell when he was born. That'll come to mm. play later. But, yeah, he didn't have a sense of smell. Um, which made me wonder, harm. like, yeah, did he not have a sense of... Because I taste. thought smell and taste were, like, connected. Yeah, but they are connected. So, obviously, he didn't. Yeah. So... He, like I said, he grew up in a factory working city, meaning a lot of the workers were factory workers. They were low income. Some of them were middle class families, but there wasn't a lot of wealthy, rich people in this community. John was said to have been fascinated by digging tunnels when he was really little, like four to almost, you know, elementary school age. He was just fascinated with the, the like fact of being buried underground fascinated him. In elementary school, he started to become very interested in chemistry. He didn't make very good grades, though, and, but he did like to experiment with different chemicals and watch their chemical reactions. So, later on, it doesn't really say exactly how old he was, but I think he was still in, like, elementary, maybe, like, grade school. So, was that, like, fifth and sixth grade or something like that? He started to torture Animals. small arachnids. No, <laughs> well, there he started to torture spiders, oh, which, okay. in my opinion, is you know awful because I think spiders are cool. So he started to torture spiders. Keep in mind, he lived in Australia, so there's like a lot of them out there, and some of them are pretty huge. Mm -hmm. But he would get the spiders, and he would make his concoction of chemicals or whatever. He would put the spiders in the chemical mm -hmm. to see how it reacted obviously they would die they would twitch around and he was fascinated by this it's been said that he would kill up to 100 spiders like in a week or something like that some people are happy for that yeah i mean if you have arachnophobia <laughs> you're like yeah, yeah kill those spiders i'm not but <laughs> if it was frogs that'd be different <laughs> i love that yeah frogs no <laughs> kill them bitches no i'm just kidding um so in 1974, when John was around eight or nine, his life took a super dark turn, and this also would perpetuate the rest of his thinking in his life as well. He was at a friend's house, and his friend had an older brother. He got him to like that. He got the the older brother got the friend and John to kind of like come into the bedroom. Mm -hmm. He corks them in there. When they got in there, um, the older brother hogtied the the John's friend they, they don't put names in here so I don't know his name um, and putting face down on the bed John was kind of sitting there in shock and awe because his friend wasn't like resisting so he kind of felt like maybe this is something that's not yeah new and so he started crying and like screaming and so the older brother punched John in the face and then he hogtied him and put him on the bed he then eventually started sodomizing and raping the two boys. He then called his friends on the phone and was like, hey, I've got these two boys that are like 
submissive and they're like you know yeah not gonna do anything so the friends came over and they started beating them and burning them with cigarettes which is crazy that he got his friends to be like oh yeah let's do this so i i don't understand like it was said that john like didn't really make a noise because he thought if he did it would make it worse but eventually the father of these two boys like overheard whatever was going on and he came into the room and he um told the boys to stop i don't think he knew that they had done i don't think they i don't think he knew that the older boy had like raped him yeah but i think he like he saw the bruises and he obviously thought they're beating up on these two little kids so Mm -hmm. you know um he didn't call the police so i I don't know whatever john got his things though and he got out of the house and ran home he never told anyone about this but it seemed to have caused severe hatred for for pedophilia and uh, homosexuality i say that because like i said this will come into play later when john became a teenager he also began to look into neo-nazism which also fueled his hatred for homosexuality and pedophiles he kind of had this theory like he felt like homosexuals were all pedophiles like all pedophiles were homosexuals so i'm saying that's yeah okay so at 15 he actually got a girl pregnant and then she eventually moved away there wasn't really much detail on that i think he had he had a daughter but he kind of kept them he kept his family from knowing that he had a kid and then eventually she moved away and there's no mention of them ever again so Mm. at 20 he dropped out of school before he was 20 he dropped out of school and then at 20 he began working at a crematorium which he was fascinated by he loved the idea of putting bodies into boxes and then burning them he thought it was just great and grand um so he also after the crematorium shut down this is when he decided to move to adelaide which is south australia's capital so adelaide was crime ridden it was a pretty crime-ridden city at the time. Uh, this is in the 80s, early 90s. But I don't know about it now. I don't think it's. I don't think it's that bad now. But this time, it was. It was pretty bad crime. I mean, serial killers, all kinds of stuff. But really, if you look up any city in the 80s, there's a lot of serial. I mean, anybody yeah. could say that about California back in the 80s, <laughs> um, you know, or something like that. So. He, when he moved to, he started living in North Adelaide. And when he started living there, he worked at a slaughterhouse. As you can imagine, this was not great for someone that we're going to talk about that's a serial killer. But he loved working at the slaughterhouse. He thought it was great and grand. Um, he loved the idea of, like, killing animals because he, he worked at a slaughterhouse that did kill, you know, the cows and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So, one day he decided to take his animal killings to another level. This is when he started um, slaughtering small animals like cats and dogs and things like that. I always go that route. I know. He actually killed his best friend, who he was living with at the time, he killed his best friend's dog. Oh, I thought you were no, no, going to no. say he killed his he best friend. He just killed friend. his best friend. Anyway, like, um, <laughs> like, he did crap. that, and we're going to move on. No, he, he killed his best friend's dog. His best friend was, like, oh, gone I for the day. I would literally be so pissed. Well, his, it was his roommate slash best friend. He was mm-hmm. gone for the day, 
and the dog was like barking and he was getting annoyed so he just snatched it up took it outside and slit his throat and then his best friend came back and he was like hey where's my dog you know have you seen him he was like oh i guess he ran away or something like that so he never knew maybe until the books came out i don't know so he eventually met a single mother named veronica he was actually taking like a metalworking class and she was in there there's just a lot of industrial things at the time in this area so he wanted to learn something new mm-hmm. they got married only eight months after dating in 1989 in december of 1991 they finally found a house after moving in um is when john met robert wagner robert grew up in adelaide and was a troubled kid he was also really strange we'll explain robert was bisexual and he lived with his partner named barry lane Mm -hmm. so barry was actually a cross-dresser and he was also named like vanessa so in some articles it'll say like vanessa i can't think of the last name but it was barry so john became good friends with robert and even a man called Mark, who we've talked about, one of the men in this, mm-hmm. next door, who was married. Which I thought was really odd because he doesn't like, he doesn't homosexual. like homosexuals, yeah. but he's best friends with a guy named Robert who's bisexual. And Robert's dating Barry, who's a cross-dresser. But I, I digress. I just thought that was really weird. I was like, why would those be the people he would pick? Yeah. Whatever. Um... And I think kind of later on, I don't think Robert was bisexual anymore because he started dating a woman, which does, I know that doesn't mean anything, but like he kind of turned on the homosexuality community, like the Mm. gay community, he kind of turned on them. Um, And we'll explain that. So John didn't like Barry, Barry, didn't like Barry, and he rarely talked to him actually at barbecues and events and things like that. He would actually refer to Barry as the freak. Oh, this is the freak. What? Yeah. And Robert still was like, oh, yeah, okay, we'll what? stick around and hang out with you. <laughs> and even Barry, like Barry, you will get there. So even though for some reason, like I said, these people remained his friends. Barry even remained his friend. These people were not very well educated, it said, but they did kind of look up to John because he seemed to be more educated, I guess, than them. Um, just more manipulative I don't know it's weird because all these people in the story when you're reading these articles they all say like oh not very like intellectually not intellectually intelligent blah 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 and I'm just like so everybody in this fucking town is just not intellectually like it doesn't make any sense I mean where is this where are they living South Australia in Adelaide. I think that... No, I mean, the, yeah. it just didn't make any sense that it says that about everybody, but whatever. Not everybody, but almost everybody. Yeah. So, anyways, he would have Robert, Barry, and Mark over during the day, because they all didn't really have jobs. John did have a job, but it wasn't really time-consuming. Mm-hmm. And they would talk about um, their hatred for, for pedophilias. He would not yet mention his hatred for homosexuals, even though it was kind of understood because he would call Barry, like, you know, um... The F word? No. The freak. The freak. 
It wasn't F word. It just wasn't that one. It wasn't the one you were thinking of. But he would call Barry like a freak and stuff like that. But he never really came out and was like, yeah, I hate homosexuals. He would just say he hated pedophiles. <laughs> so Robert and Barry still had close friends in the gay community around Adelaide. And they were even, they even became really close friends with a boy when he was about 17 um, named Clinton Trezes. So Clinton, at this time of his death, would be 20, so he's not 17 anymore, but that's how long they've known him, since he was 17. He was a drifter that left his house at an early age to find people that were accepting and like him. He was also a cross-dresser as well, and he was gay. John, however, didn't like him right off the bat. He would still visit Robert and Barry, but he wouldn't talk to Clinton when he was in the house. Barry and Clinton started having a sexual relationship so barry's like cheating on robert with Mm -hmm. clinton keeping up okay (laughs) it's a lot so august 1992 clinton was now around 22 and john thought it was time to get rid of him he was like we're done clinton's gotta go he invited clinton to his house to sit on the couch and chit chat you know when clinton got there they were watching tv and Clinton was probably thinking, is this guy, like, trying to hit on me, you know? Um, But John was not. In fact, while he was watching TV, John went to the bedroom, got a shovel, came and hit him in the back of the head, and cracked his skull wide open. Clinton fell to the floor, and then John began to bash him over the front of his head, smashing his uh, face in. After this, he called Barry and Robert on the phone and said, I have an emergency. He knew in his mind that he could get them to help him clean up the body because he knew that they were very loyal to him. Wow. Robert, That's yeah, some loyalty. <laughs> yeah, Robert helped him without question, and Barry did too. But he seemed to be like a little scared of the whole situation. But he probably thought, like, I'm gonna get my ass killed if I don't help out. Yeah. They put the body in Barry's car and took him 20 minutes to 20 minutes north of Adelaide, in lower light, and buried him out in the field. Clinton's sister was the only one who was trying to, like, find him. And um, she went to his apartment, and she was kind of, like, saw that his apartment was in disheveled situation and all this. Mm -hmm. And she told her mom, but her mom, like, didn't want to look for him, didn't want to look for him. It took them two years to file a missing persons report. What? I guess because they thought he was just gone, gone, like who gives a shit I guess is what they felt about this child but I think that's crazy obviously the sister really cared um but anyways it took him two years meanwhile John had also not killed anyone else so it took three years before he would kill again John and Veronica eventually divorced and this Veronica yeah she got out of there this is when he met a woman named Elizabeth There's a few Elizabeths in the story, but this one is John's girlfriend. They began dating and soon moved in together. She also brought along her two sons, Troy and Jamie. And we've mentioned Jamie at the beginning. He's one of the ones that got arrested. So obviously that means he's going to follow in his stepfather's footsteps. Well, it's not his stepfather, but whatever. So both of these boys had been sexually assaulted um, by Jamie's father. And John stepped in kind of as, like, this father figure, and he connected with Jamie especially. Jamie was 15. 
John eventually brought Jamie into his circle of friends, and then after a while, he decided to see if he could mold him into the type of person who he could trust and see if he could kind of make him become a serial killer. So he would bring Jamie to the backyard and capture stray cats and dogs. He would then have Jamie watch as he would slit the animal's throats and begin to skin them. Jamie's reaction was always just, good job. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> he didn't cry or scream or anything like that. He just told him, like, cool. Cool. Man. That's awesome. Um, I don't really know why. He would do this multiple times over the course of Jamie's younger years. Um and it seemed to just eventually become completely fine with Jamie. So John was trying to basically build himself a team. He had, now, he had Jamie, Barry, Robert, and Mark. John's idea was to kill pedophiles and homosexuals. Remember, in John's eyes, they're all the same. Not in ours. <laughs> he eventually found his next target. Also, I want to mention in this, none of these people are in this whole entire thing, are for sure pedophiles. So he didn't have any evidence other than some people just accusing them of certain things, but never any, like, hard evidence. Like, he walked in on the act, you know. Not like what we have now, which is the um, registered offender. Like, you can look Yeah, but even that. sex offenders that are registered may not have been pedophiles. It might have been, like... He was 18 and she was 16 and mom got pissed and, yeah, you know, so you can't really look at that either. You kind of have to just, I don't know. But anyways, this was not the case. I mean, he doesn't know if any of these people are actually pedophiles. Because I don't want some people to be like, oh yeah, kill the pedos. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yes and no. Yeah, but that's not, that's not the case here. Like, he has no freaking idea. No and evidence. this is a prime example. Ray Davis, Davison, Davis, whatever. He was 26, and he was his next target. He lived in a mobile home not far from John's house. He actually lived behind his ex-girlfriend's house, and he, like, paid rent to live in this mobile home. He was also um, kind of mentally un mentally disabled. It said that, like I said, all these people kind of were. Um, one day, though, Ray's ex-girlfriend that I told you, he's, like, taking care of, I mean, he's, like, uh, renting, renting the, the yeah. spot or whatever. She accused him of making sexual advances to her grandson. Ray denied this and was like, no, this didn't happen. I swear this didn't happen. But she didn't believe him and she filed a report. The police weren't doing much, so she knew that John Bunting. in the neighborhood was the guy that was known as hating pedophiles. Mm -hmm. And she reached out to him. Not oh, a very good idea. Okay. But John didn't need any proof. Whether Ray was innocent or not, he did not care. He discussed it with Robert, and the next day they decided to take care of Ray. So December 19, 1995, they lured him out of his home. When he came out, of the, came out of his mobile home, they attacked him, tied him up, threw him in the trunk of the car, and then they took him down into the woods and began to beat him severely. After they beat him, they took him back to John's house. His girlfriend, Elizabeth, who was home, kind of grew to hate pedophiles as well. And she was also, like, didn't need any proof either. Mm -hmm. So she began to um, 
help with this torture. Mm-hmm. They put him in the bathtub, and Elizabeth began to, like, uh, stab him with a, a drill mm-hmm. in his legs. Robert took jumper cables and tied them around his throat to choke him, and eventually Ray died from his injuries. John and Robert buried his body in the backyard. They then cleaned out his mobile home, repainted it, and sold it two months later. There was no missing persons report filed on him. And remember the woman that was Ray's ex-girlfriend that accused him of all this? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, her name was Susan Allen. And her and John began to have an affair after he took care of Ray. Mm-hmm. She also didn't ask any questions about where, where, blah, blah. where she didn't ask any questions about where he was. And when they started like coming on her property and cleaning out the mobile home and selling all his shit and then taking the mobile home, she was just like, eh, I guess he took care of him. Mm-hmm. So in 1996, though he didn't want to keep um, having, an affair? having an affair with her, he was getting she was getting on his nerves basically. It's unclear as to when or what exactly happened to Susan because she was reported missing for a while. Mm -hmm. And John was kind of like getting her social security checks. That's another thing. A lot of these people are either mentally disabled or they are just disabled, period. Mm -hmm. Or they have like their own social security. So he, then like he and the other guys, um, try to their best to like keep getting the checks and they yeah. just like oh they're Social missing Security or they've left or whatever yeah get the checks. and it wasn't as tightly watched as it is now so um the checks were coming to her house mm-hmm. and he kept getting him susan's remains were found buried in the backyard of john's house next to ray later on way later on but her remains were wrapped in 11 different plastic bags so she was dismembered um, one of Susan's family members did file a missing persons report eventually, but they were unable to find her. So they were just, I don't know, the police kind of sucked at the beginning. It's always like that. So, I mean, you know, shocker. Yeah. Um, they but they just didn't really It's not until the public gets involved that they're like, oh, man, I gotta do my job. Or so, yeah. <laughs> they care about them. Jeez. Or if they're Or in rich, this case, a lot sure. of people start missing and they're like, you know what? <laughs> Maybe we should pay attention. Yeah, so John and Elizabeth and the boys all moved to Murray Bridge. It was about 60 miles away from where they were at currently. Even after moving, John still kept in contact with Mark and Robert, and obviously Barry, because he was with Robert still. Mm -hmm. Um, In this new home, he had a pedo, it was called a pedo wall, and it was also called, like, his wall of spiders because he treated these victims like sp- like his spiders, like his spiders, you know, huh. the spiders he would kill. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a list of many, many people. And it was also, like, a list. It was also, um, you know, like, when you're watching a detective show or something and they got, like, pegboards and they got string, uh, you know? Yeah, it was yeah, like that. Like Literally, that. he had it like that. But the person at the center of this was Barry. So he wanted to kill Barry. That was his goal. Okay. During this time, it was very convenient because Robert and Barry had broken up. Barry was accused of sexual assault of a young boy in the neighborhood, and Robert was disgusted and told Barry to leave. Now John had a real reason to hate Barry even more. 
Robert started dating a woman after this, and um, she was a woman who had kids, too. Then, eventually, they met a 19-year-old guy who was a homosexual. His name was Michael Gardner, and they became friends with him. So, Robert, his girlfriend, and Michael all were friends. This 19-year-old boy, Michael. Mm-hmm. One day, Robert and his girlfriend decided to let Michael babysit the kids, even though Robert was kind of leery about it because, you know, he's a homosexual, so he's yeah. a pedophile. Whatever. And um, so he was kind of leery about it. Well, they came into the house, and they, know, they, they saw Michael had his hand over one of the kids' mouths. Now, Michael said that they were playing a game, and they were just roughhousing, and it was just a fun little game. Even the, the, the kid said nothing was, you know, he wasn't hurt or anything like that. He wasn't crying or anything. Yeah. Um, but Robert didn't care, though. He was convinced that Michael was a pedophile, and he was going to do something awful to his kids if he didn't, like, show up in that moment. Like, Michael was going to, you know, molest his, the children. Mm-hmm. So he called John right away and told him that Michael needed to die, or needed to be dealt with, is what he said. So August 1997, Michael was house-sitting for some woman. John and Robert found out where it was. They kidnapped him, tied him up. They took him back to John's house to his garage. This is where they began to beat him. They called him names, eventually strangled him to death with a rope. After he was dead, they began to dismember his body. This time, instead of burying him, like, in the backyard, like they had done previous others, or out in a field somewhere, Mike, uh, John had bought hydrochloric acid and barrels. These are these blue barrels. Mm-hmm. Which he would use to place Michael and others into after dismembering them. They went, and then he would leave them, like, in his garage. They went back to the house that he was house-sitting, and got all his belongings, so it just looked like Michael had just left. And that's what the woman who was house who he was house sitting when she came back, she just thought he bailed, you know. In October of 1997, John decided it was time to take care of Barry. John was approached by a man named Thomas, who was around 18, and he was actually dating Barry. He knew John's hatred for pedophiles and told John that Barry had molested him when he was younger. So, Thomas was actually, which is so weird to me. Like, why are you dating somebody that molested you when you were younger? I don't get that, but okay. I think he just really wanted out of the relationship or something. I don't really know. Um, But whatever the case was, he knew that John didn't like pedophiles and he was like yeah Barry molested me when I was younger thought you ought to know like what the hell I didn't understand I that I don't understand why you would be with a person like yeah like what you said just break up with them maybe exactly. it's because they didn't have a lot of variety I don't know of gay people I guess not do. because this was in the 80s but so October 17th uh John Robert and Thomas who was dating Barry at the time Went to Barry's house for, like, a friendly visit. I'm sure Barry was like, fuck me, when they walked through the door. Um, I'm sure he kind of knew. Because as soon as they got through the door and all that, they jumped him. They began to beat, strangle, and torture Barry like they did the others. This time, John made, John made sure to track his... 
made sure to cover his tracks, or so he thought, he made Barry call his mother and tell him that he was like, leaving town. I'm leaving town. I'm going to Queensland. Don't contact me. I hate you. I'm never going to see you guys again. Blah, 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 blah. Um, he did, he, Barry, he even made Barry tell her, like, don't come looking for me, all that. After he was done, that's when they began to bury, to strangle Barry to death. They dismembered his body and then dumped him into the barrels right next to Michael. Now, John had two bodies in barrels in his garage. Now, come to find out, Barry had told a few of his friends um, about Clinton's murder and, like, the first victim, you know, that he helped uh, Barry out in the woods. And one of his friends, he told, told, he actually, like, went to the police. And he was like, hey, so, he went to the police and he was like, so Barry told me this about himself and John and Robert and now Barry's missing. And, um, the police kind of just shrugged it off because <laughs> they had that recording on the phone that from his mom about being like, I'm going to Queensland. <laughs> yeah, so... I'm just like, I don't know what to tell you. He's going to Queensland. Yeah, I don't really know. So, because of this, John was like, okay, the police are obviously stupid. Like, that's what he was basically saying, and I could get away with anything, anything. I want. They always think that way, because it kind of always happens that way at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Like, they just do do not care. Yeah, or they just don't really look in. into too much. It's really, I don't know. Yeah, I don't understand it. So... Anyways, Thomas moved, after this, Thomas actually moved in with Robert and Vicky and her kids. Remember I told you Michael was the babysitter for them? Well, now that Thomas is 18, Thomas was actually, um, you know, the guy that was dating Barry. Mm -hmm. He became kind of like their babysitter. One day, Vicky heard her kids outside screaming, though, and she, like, ran outside because Thomas was out there. She was like, what the hell? And, uh, he was chasing the, a cat down the street with, like, a knife. He was, like, gonna kill it. I have no idea. Okay. He was basically having, like, a mental breakdown at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, he had had a really hard upbringing anyways, and Vicky was like, okay, he's gotta go. Thomas was very mentally ill, and he had also contemplated suicide and actually had a suicide attempt months before this. He even confessed to his cousin about Barry's murder. But the cousin never came out and told the police. I think he thought he was, like, crazy and losing it. John had a feeling that Thomas couldn't be trusted. So, on November 1997, John, Jamie, and Robert took Thomas up to a hill in Adelaide and made him commit suicide. They put a rope around his neck, stood him on a box, kicked the box out from under him, and then he passed away. They knew about his um, past, so they were just kind of like... This will be fine. You know, everybody will believe this. So, if you haven't gathered by now, a lot of these murders are of people surrounded by John, Robert, or Jamie. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like an inner circle type thing. So, for the police not to really look into these murders is crazy to me. Unless there was just no evidence or something. And they just thought all these people were disappearing around around John. Yeah, like stupid. It doesn't make any sense. A lot of serial killers also, like, kill random people so they don't get, um, 
What? Traced back. Trace, That's what I was yeah. trying. Yeah, they don't trace them back to them. And John was just out here slaying motherfuckers that he knew. Literally. And I'm just or people that he that he knew knew. You know? Yeah. It was weird. Um, and he didn't hide the bodies very well too, like his backyard and yeah. He Not eventually really found much. the. He eventually put them in the barrels. That's why this murder's called the bodies in the barrels. Hmm. And I believe by 1998, John was just thought like he couldn't get caught. He was invincible. He also probably thought like he was some sort of superhero saving the world from pedophiles. <laughs> but whatever, and alleged the next homosexuals. Ca- Captain Marvel over there. Yeah. So, that's where we're gonna end it today. Because we're already 40 minutes in. Um, And that's going to lead us into part two next week. Um, So stick around because it gets really, really interesting. There's just a lot of people that you have to just remember. And um, it gets crazy. Like he starts killing off. He starts killing off a lot of people that are like in the inner circle because he's just like members. Yeah. it's getting it's getting hairy. <laughs> they always do that. They always yeah. start killing the people that are most loyal to them. It makes yeah. no sense to me. Now the four of these guys do. Spoiler alert. Um, but like I said at the beginning, Jamie, John, Robert, Jamie, and Mark they do go to prison at the end. Um, so, but the people that are newly here. The people that he kills, I can't, I can't say anything because it'll spoil it. But it's crazy. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> so, anyways, um, tune in next week for part two. In the meantime, you can go ahead and after you listen to this, if you need to catch up on any episodes, you can catch up on them. You can also head over to our Twitter. We'll have we post things on there. Our Instagram, we post things on there, like upcoming things. Um, here lately, I've been. Um, streaming with my husband some like phasmophobia and other like zombie killing games phasmophobia is pretty cool so i post those things on twitter so you can like watch his twitch or youtube depending on where it's on but anyways that's if you want to check that out that's pretty cool and yeah i think that's it all right, all right. well we will see you guys next week have a great weekend Bye. Bye.